Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day, this is Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks for being a part of the show. This is our Wednesday edition where we look back on an episode of Past Times, a short version, just a quick one, all right, just a quickie, episode 28. Now, this is like a long time ago. This is the earliest episodes of the podcast while I was still living in America. I did this conversation today. I did it at Darren Hayes' house, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Who am I? Uh, well, hang on. What is this podcast? This podcast is here to make your day-to-day better than yesterday. Something that you hear on this show will do just that because if we are not growing, what are we? Are we even alive? The definition of being alive is to be in constant growth. That is what everything in your garden is doing. And that's what you and I are doing every day. And if we're not in growth, then what are we? So how do we make it a little better than the day before? That's where the fun is really for me. I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm a TV host. I'm um, someone who's, I went to the doctor today and like many Australian men went, oh, I'm here for this. Oh, and and that, and and then she's looking at me like, you booked a standard consultation. This and I hearing the waiting room just fill up with people going, and she's looking at me like, "You come in here with seven things. Like you really should have come in here, but just two, you know." But I did that, and I walked out with like four referrals and six tests and all kinds of other bullshit. Because I, even though I try to think ahead, I still am subject to the machinations of being a stubborn-headed man sometimes. Anyway, that's what I'm here to do today. And today we're going to listen to a little bit of a chat, a tiny little bit of a chat from Darren Hayes, who is an Australian music icon. One half of the brilliant landmark Australian band, Brisbane band, Savage Garden. So many hits, unbelievable, so many hits. I knew I loved him before I met him. In 2014, he came to my house in Venice Beach. I had just been to his house in Santa Monica and he came to my house. I think I'd helped him build a podcast studio. I can't remember. It was so long ago. We had a cup of tea and a chat. Now, look, part of this conversation, part of every conversation on my show, on my podcast, sometimes involves the tricky parts of life. And sometimes the tricky parts of life can get super tricky, including talk of suicide. Now, that is a part of today's conversation. Don't worry. It's okay. 
Darren made it out, so did I. If that's not something you want to hear about today, that's fine. You can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or check out Beyond Blue or look, there's links in the show notes if you need any help. Now, Darren and I are both from Brisbane, Brisneyland, Rio de Janeiro. We're both Brazilians. We lived there as kids. And when we were living there as kids, Brisbane was not the place it is today. It was a very much a small country town. Well, a big country town, really. All the exciting things happened in Sydney or Melbourne. And I wondered, because I know what it was for me, if growing up in Brisbane gave Darren the motivation to break out. Interestingly, I think the Brisbane aspect for me is the least motivating factor in my life. I mean, yes, living in Brisbane, we were, at the time I didn't realise, but I guess we were quite poor. But it's a testament to my mum that I didn't feel poor. But I was always aware there was sort of a north-south divide. And you were on a deep south side. Deep south. And we I were... never went over. To only, <laughs> it was only when I started working for B105, the radio station, and, and driving the Black Thunders out there that I was like, oh, this is different. Yeah. I mean, and every city and every town and every country in the world has got the place you want to live and the place you prefer not to live. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in the place you probably prefer not to live, but the, I didn't realise. The eight mile of Brisbane. There you go. And uh, so, yeah, we were kind of poor and it was difficult because looking back I obviously was a gay kid didn't know it everyone else told me I was gay before I I really even realized but I got picked on a lot we were poor um my father was a very violent alcoholic and I had a lot to push against I think and there was a massive amount of escapism I say this to my sister actually um my sister's got two beautiful kids and um you know, we used to say, because their lives are so happy, do you think their, their adulthood will be boring or unmotivated because we had so much to push against? And the jury's still out on that. I don't know. I'm not advocating trauma, but having something to overcome or struggle is a huge part of my uh, psyche. As a kid, though, you accept the world as it is and you mm-hmm. you know we have this trick in our brains that oh this must be how it is for everybody mm-hmm. when did you notice that your home life and family life was kind of different well i think shame is a big thing i mean i'm sort of working on a one man show and i have to keep saying that this will happen so that it happens but i've been oh, writing because i wanted to talk to you about it. well i've been writing a book for years and years and years and the big theme and all of it is just overcoming shame shame uh-huh. of being poor Shame of being, um, you know, that little kid under the table who is afraid to tell teachers and friends and family that dad hits mum. And uh, because there was so much shame and so much secrecy involved in it, and it's sort of, it's all interwoven into my sexuality. I learned as a child that there were secrets. There were just things that you didn't speak to other people about. So when I would go to school after essentially being on an all-night vigil trying to protect my mum... Having not slept, I dare not tell anyone. And and in fact, the first person I ever told about my childhood, I was 17. So I'd lived it all and survived it all before I ever confessed to an adult. So I never had any scaffolding. I didn't have anyone as a mentor. I didn't have uh, anyone that I could confess it to. But I knew when kids came home to my house, there were holes in the walls that we used to patch up. I'm quite good with spat filler. There was uh, this need to keep up airs and graces, and I knew that we weren't maybe as rich as other families, so I was slightly ashamed about that. I knew that there was this forbidden secret about our you know, family dynamic that we couldn't tell anyone about, and I also knew that I had crushes on boys, 
and every possible feedback that I could receive in my life, from kids picking on me to my own father to everybody, even people who loved me, that would say little things that you say to children like, what do you mean Dirk Benedict from Battlestar Galactic is cute? You can't say cute. And as a child, I would go, oh, okay. And I would file that away and think, yeah. don't say that. That's a thought you shouldn't have. He was really, and Dirk Benedict, goddamn, that hot. Even when he was in the A-team later. Hot. Like, and what a name, Dirk Benedict. No, it sounds like a porn title. Doesn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> completely. And now you've, you've brought up something that really triggered something in me because I remember as a kid, you know, growing up my... I don't remember, I don't, there was no violence in my home, physical violence in my home, but mm-hmm. there was most definitely my parents fought tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. And I just, I had forgotten that, yeah, I used to sit up all night. I used to sit up all night and watch the bedroom door just in case mum left. Yeah. And it's a and strange like, thing. Eight. It's a, you know, it's, how it's can, isn't that wild that we're such little kids and yeah. we think that we have the power to get in the way of what two powerful adults yeah. want to do you know and it's a funny thing because i wrote lyrics about this and and i have to i always say this when i talk about my poor dad he just i'm sure he just has a heart attack every time i ever do an interview because unfortunately his story is my story and he is absolutely a recovered alcoholic he's a you know he has an incredible life we aren't in each other's lives but i'm very proud of him because he survived all of this stuff but you know i have a lot of sympathy for parenting i'm not a parent you know, I have enough trouble being a parent to a dog. The responsibility, our, I don't know about your parents, but from my generation, my mum was 24 with three children. Um, Brisbane style. Brisbane style <laughs> And the, the amount of pressure, I think, placed on them as young people to be grown-ups. One of the biggest freakouts I have in my life is when I'm, I remember that I'm supposed to be a grown-up. You know, oh, my God, I have to fill in this form or I've got to do my taxes or gulp i have to act responsible um so i have sympathy for them for that at the time that darren and i met i was not far off turning 40 like literally 10 years ago (laughs) he and i chatted it had been nearly 18 years at the time since savage garden released their debut record we're both very aware of how old we are and that we may no longer be considered young there's definitely ageism in our industry absolutely and you know, I at one point turned up and I was the guy that took the job from the guy who was 40. Right. When I showed up. Yeah. And that's that's the way it is. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all right. It's, I say that about pop music too. A lot of people, um, and fans are incredible and they take up a cause for you and they will often say, you know, oh, it's a travesty that you don't get played on the radio. And I've always understood that pop music is a youth market. You know, if I was programming a radio station, I wouldn't play a Madonna record or a U2 record. Or a Prince record. They're three of my favourite artists in the history of the world, but they're too damn old for pop, pop music. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. That music, especially music and fashion, you know, they're so, that hook is so tied into that glory of youth mm-hmm. you know, and that emancipation from... Well, that's what you're buying when you yeah, buy the song. Freedom. My God, when I put on Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe, I felt like I was 17 again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I'm unashamedly in love with pop when it's that good yeah. when it's that damn good yeah. i love it i uh, there's nothing quite like that 
when you hear that song and it's just even the bass line's a hook. He preaches <laughs> the converted. I mean, it's funny. Richard, my husband, is quite cool. He's so much cooler than me. And when I first met him, he uh, he's sitting behind you on my couch, taking notes and nodding. He's judging us. And no, he's agreeing with when you say he's really cool. He's like, yes, yes. Well, I he am. was never. You know, he's not a sycophant. <laughs> he was aware of my music, but he certainly was never. A, he would never have bought my records ever. But beautifully, he's really proud of me, and you know, obviously, he gets it. He's not a, a prat. But um, it's funny, Richard loves that song, Call Me Maybe, and Richard's quite indie. And when we first heard it, it was just one of those songs that was like, this is sort of undeniable, isn't it? This you can't, is, this you can't go cool. past it. It's like, I'm going to say, like, not since perhaps Umbop has there been a pop song that's just so, there's, or Baby from Bieber. Like, this is a track that is just a monster. Yeah, you know, I kind of agree, definitely. Umbop is... Uh, and God, let's write. I mean, I think before Umbop, there was only Walking on Sunshine. So basically, we have one every decade. Pretty much. Yeah. You, and, but the, the wild thing is, just as, as an aside, Walking on Sunshine, which I found when I did work experience at school, which is, I guess, in Australia, it's like the version of being an intern in high school. Mm-hmm. I did work experience at the recording studio up at Channel 9, which was essentially like, I'm going onto the mothership. I am, you know, oh my God, I'm at a proper recording studio. And the producer there was telling me that that song, Katrina the Waves, Walking on Sunshine, actually came, it was recorded two and a half years prior Hmm. When Depeche Mode were doing digga 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 right. digga, I'm so sad and everything's too bad. And they're like, we can't release it. It's too up. It's, it's too, too good. Happy. So they sat on it for like two years and then released it because it was just it wouldn't have wouldn't have worked. Yeah, it's something people forget too, like about films and books and fashion is that uh, it's a cliche, but you know, when you see the cart, when you're following a trend, it's dead. By the time you see the trend, you've read those books, but you know, by the time you see a trend. That's the tail end of it, because the inception of trend, it comes from almost like subconscious stuff. It's out there in the ether. It's stuff that people are picking up. My whole career is a result of that, where music had been Seattle, rock, or indie. So you had pop music was Alanis, and it was angsty, or um, stuff on the radio was Nirvana or Seattle. So to be these two sort of... um, you know, effeminate men from Brisbane in makeup, one of them gay, the other one just kind of people assuming he was gay, he's, he's not. You know, that was just never going to happen. We could not get signed. It was like, are you kidding me? No. What is, this is too nice, it's too pop, it's too this. And then suddenly it was, you know, the whole world was... And that's why I'm, I'm just so lucky to have, to have you here in my house because I was there, I had a front row seat watching it all go down and I was playing in bands at the same time. Here's something that will blow your mind. As I was getting ready for this... I was researching and I was remembering I once answered, I think the name, it was a Music Works or whatever the radio, the, the music store was there on Brunswick Street. I answered an ad hmm. to be the bass player in a band called Red Edge. No. Yep. Okay, this is so weird. Okay, so I know. And that was the band that you answered an ad in Time Off magazine to be the singer for. Yes, and we both got duped. So Red Edge was um, essentially Daniel Jones and his brother Oliver Jones, both. I think I spoke to Daniel on the phone. Yeah, me too. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But then when he said, oh, we're, we're just doing covers, and I was like, nah, okay, not for me. Yeah. And I, I said, no, it's not my bag. Red Edge, um, no disrespect, terrible covers band that I was a part of. There was a lot of it going around the early 90s, man. It's it okay. horrible. This is before DJs, before Pioneer CDJs. People had to get people in the club door. But this is why Daniel was definitely like a Simon Cowell, like a Svengali, because he was in that terrible band. They were trying to get a publishing deal. 
And uh, you were replaced, or your position that you went for was uh, filled by a guy called Jamie Sullivan. And they, we got a duo. We got Jamie and Scott Sullivan. Scott played drums. Jamie played bass. Oliver uh, Jones was is an incredibly talented musician, actually. Daniel would probably even admit that Oliver is really the musician in the family. Incredible guitarist and wrote all these songs. And they, they asked me to be in that band, and I hated it. But it was a year of... Um, an incredible like workplace experience. We are going to be back in a moment to speak more with Mr. Darren Hayes. Stay with us. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Darren Hayes like you, like me, like many of us, has had his own journey with mental health. And um, he was kind enough to share his tale and his experience of anxiety and depression with us. I don't know if this is too personal for you because I can tell you I'm not That's on right. any medication. Me neither. I talked about that last week. I'm right. like, I have been at me various too. points in my yeah. life. It really messed with my, again, my definition of self because I got over it. And my message here is that everybody should just get over this judgment that you have that you think there's something that you should be able to cope without medication that was difficult for me I never wanted to be on medication because I didn't want it to dim my light or I didn't want to feel like I was a drug addict or I didn't want to feel like I was not strong enough to handle this on my own but there were periods in my life and there probably still will be where I haven't been able to manage and cope you know I have a a family history of uh, I mean my um my grandmother actually committed suicide. Oh. Uh, most people on my mother's side have really struggled with depression and anxiety oh. disorder anyway. So then I go and become a pop star and then come out and just go through a lot of the stuff that I've experienced. Well, my anxiety, my depression always, sh- depression always show up in periods of crisis. And uh, I just have to accept that, you know. It's just something I do. I'm really, coming off antidepressants was scary. I've yeah. done it a few times and I had, I've had very, uh, I ended up having uh, panic attacks a few times. I, so to circle back, mm. w- when you mentioned it earlier, I, I think I was four or five when I had my first panic attack. Wow. Like that's, that's what it was. Yeah. Now I know, when I knew what it was as an adult, I was like, oh, that's the thing that used to happen when I was a, baby, mm-hmm. I was a kid. I've only come off medication once and that was enough for me. Uh, I'm, yeah, here, I look, I'm here I'm, now without it. I work hard to stay off I it. I would really like to be on it again. I really would. But I have a great doctor that just said to me one day, he was like, Darren, you know, you don't need it. It's, it's a tool. It's a fantastic tool to help you yeah. essentially relax into deeper therapy. And being able to stabilize my moods 
helped me have pretty intense psychotherapy and uh i've you know i've done everything i've had um uh well i haven't done everything because i'm not well, i related to like yeah. um when i did my acl i, I blew out my acl in my left knee oh, wow. and I, I got to wear one of those kind of mad max 2 braces that you wear on the outside of your knee it was this big robotic kind of mm-hmm. metal hinge yeah I would strap on on every morning. It was a little uncomfortable, but I could walk and it was great. And in the safety of that, my knee learned how to work in the right plane of motion again. The muscles came in Such in the right plane of motion. Great metaphor, exactly. And then slowly I would do more and more hours mm-hmm. of a day without it. If I was going surfing or snowboarding or whatever, I'd wear it again if I was going in somewhere. And eventually, and now I live without it. And that's how I would just, that's how I describe how being on meds is. Absolutely. It's not. I'll just take this and it'll go away like when I have a neurofine for a headache. Right. It's not that. No. It's just releasing the grip enough so all the other work can do the job. Exactly. Because trying uh, to think your way out of thinking is like trying to bite your own teeth. Totally. Oh, God. <laughs> you should just write all of my metaphors. Uh, I do that. I, I do metaphor writing, if you like. It's, a, it's actually quite an expensive service um, and there's a discount for repeat customers. The, um, the biggest... One of the sweetest things anyone ever said to me, actually, was after I first went on antidepressants, uh, a friend who really noticed that there was something wrong with me, you know, after maybe six months, she said to me, how do you feel now? Like, how, how do you feel? Like, do you still worry about stuff? And I went, well, yeah, but it's like there's all the things that I'm concerned about and it's like they're in the spare room and I think, eh, I've got to do this and that, I've got to fill that format, got to worry about this and oh, I think I'm getting some love handles and I need to... All the things that I would normally worry about, they were there, but they were just kind of in another room and she said, that's how the rest of us feel. Right. And it was such a moment of freedom because I was like, okay, I get it. It doesn't make your problems go away. It just gives you the ability to actually be rational. Yeah. Rational and realise... Bono's got that great lyric about uh, Michael Hutchins. The tragedy of suicide is that you get stuck in a moment where you think that you'll never be able to overcome the monster. And the sad truth is the next day you do. But when you're stuck in a moment and when you're dealing with depression and anxiety, you can't... It feels permanent. It feels like it's never going to end. Exactly. Very grateful to have spent that time with Darren Hayes. What an amazingly funny man. I'm not really on Twitter anymore, but I always adored him when he was on Twitter and people would go, you know, people would troll him and go, you must be super bored to comment on something like this. And he would write back to them going, you forgot millionaire, super bored millionaire. (laughs) I fucking love him. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
And he's a really great story to tell. He's such a sweetheart. We did touch on some pretty uh, tricky, sticky stuff in there, and that's okay. That's a part of life. If you need to have a chat with someone about that, that's fine. Get in touch with Beyond Blue, if you like, beyondblue.org.au. Or if you're in an emergency or you're in immediate risk of harm to yourself or anybody else, get on triple zero in Australia or call Lifeline or call emergency services. Get in touch with your doctor. Just fucking talk to somebody, all right? If you want to hear that full conversation, and I thoroughly recommend it, it's in episode 28 however you're listening to this podcast. If this particular episode brought you some value, if you liked it, please leave a rating, leave a review, like, subscribe, comment, share, whatever you can do. If you don't feel like sending this to somebody else, that's fine. Just all the other things, liking, subscribing, comment, sharing, that all you know really helps other people listen to this show. So you may not know the person that gets benefit out of this show, but if you do those things, means more people will hear it. So thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to Bree Steele, who produced this episode, and Andy Marr on audio and video post-production. I'll see you Friday. See ya.